Welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review. Our several-year mission will be to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. We will be reviewing every Star Trek comic book ever published. These stories have been released by Gold Key, Marvel, DC, Malibu, Wildstorm, Tokyo Press, IDW, and others. Star Trek and all that the Star Trek universe contains is copyrighted by CBS Studios, Inc. Alright, welcome to Star Trek, the comic book review with Donovan and Ken. Uh, today is March the 4th of 2010, uh, and we are here to review the first three issues of Star Trek, the Deep Space Nine series by Malibu Comics. And all as part of episode number seven. Number seven. Alright, so these uh, this series started off uh, August 1993. And uh, we'll just jump straight into the synopsis. So we have um, number one called Stowaway, part one. All right, so it starts off with a brief intro of all the major characters, including some uh, uh, pretty good shots of the station. Uh, Then we go into uh, Mrs. O'Brien teaching her class of children, and they're leaving uh, Lieutenant Dax's lab when they realize that Nog and Jake are missing. Uh, the boys are looking at some chemicals, um, and when they get caught, they get startled. Nog drops the a beaker and, and makes a huge mess. Uh, the boys agree to help clean up the uh, lab, and Keiko takes the rest of the kids back to the classroom. Uh, when the boys leave the lab, they don't go straight to the school like they're supposed to. They end up snooping around the lower decks, and they open up a uh, sealed hatchway, and a uh, green mist uh, starts coming out of the, the room. All right, now we uh, jump over to the ops area, and we have a gentleman named Captain Johnson who's just arrived from the Gamma Quadrant with some artifacts that uh, was discovered by the famous Dr. Wembley. Uh, After some concern that the artifact may not be safe on Deep Space Nine, the captain allows uh, Miles O'Brien to uh, take it down to level 14 for safekeeping. Uh, Miles arrives on level 14 and is engulfed by the green mist we saw earlier. Uh, He requests an emergency beam out uh, and eventually makes his way back to uh, sickbay. Bashir gives him a a clean bill of health and analyzes the mist and says that it's a a type of mold. Uh, Dax then says that the mold absorbs oxygen and produces a poisonous gas. Um, Odo uh, calms in uh, from his office and tells them that the mist is on the promenade now. Uh, Cork is shown gathering uh, some abandoned winnings from the uh, Dabo tables and uh, that was left by the escaping customers, and he is engulfed by the, the mold. And uh, Odo jumps in. Uh, actually, he changes into a rat first. He jumps into the mist and then pulls Cork out. Um, in the darkness there, you can see a Cardassian kind of watching over everything. Uh, back in Ops, uh, Dax and Bashir have a discovery. They've isolated that the mold has Cardassian signatures. Uh, Johnson, uh, Captain Johnson, who's still aboard his ship, uh, offers any assistance he can. Uh, Bashir goes uh, to the emergency quarters uh, for all the citizens of Deep Space Nine. Uh, he goes and confronts Garrick, uh, and since Garrick's the Cardassian spy that's aboard the ship or mm-hmm. station. Uh, Garrick offers no help. Which he never admits to. Of course not. He's part of the Obsidian Order, though, perhaps. Perhaps. Uh, He's a mystery man. Yeah, so Garrick uh, doesn't give any help, and he makes a lot of uh, smug comments and things like that and sends Bashir on his way. 
Uh, Bashir makes his way back to Ops and finds Cisco and Johnson arguing about uh, the best way to get rid of the mold. Uh, Cisco's method uh, will destroy Dr. Wembley's Gamma Quadrant artifact. He, he wants to in- see if the artifact is the cause of all the mold. Cisco and Johnson uh, argue, and uh, Johnson just beams back to his ship. Oh, I guess that's right. He was on his ship. He wasn't on, or he was on Deep Space Nine. He wasn't on his ship. Sorry about that. Anyways, Bashir and uh, Dax inform Cisco that they have created a fungicide to destroy it. Nog and Jake uh, are arguing about whether they should uh, tell uh, that they were the cause of it. Uh, then we see a shot with O'Brien, De- Bashir, Dax, and some other uh, crew members uh, spraying the fungicide in the infected areas. Uh, they find a woman and baby in a sealed room. Uh, then everybody beams back to Ops, and uh, they say that the fungicide's not working. Uh, back in Ops, Dax informs them that uh, the fungicide's not working. Uh, Cisco wants to know how it all started. And then uh, Cisco has a brief conversation with the Dr. Wembley, who's aboard the uh, the other ship, Ducat. Ducat. Yeah, Ducat shows up, and uh, he um, he basically tells the that uh, he would like to come aboard to uh, help, and then that's where it's uh, continued. So you don't know whether he really means the help or he's going to add to their problems. Exactly. So then it's continued. So this is a two-parter. It is. So they start off with a two-parter, just like uh, Deep Space Nine, the TV series, started off with a two-parter. What was it called? Emissary? Ah, yes. Yeah. Who, we know who the Emissary is. And eventually we find out why he's the Emissary. Yeah, something to do with uh, being a a wormhole baby. Exactly. A uh, a half-breed. Yes. Like Spock. And... uh, Several other people in the Star Trek universe. They they really uh, they like the uh, half human, half something else uh, template. Um, they never say it in the movies, but uh, the Vulcan, uh, uh, Christy Alley's character on Star Trek Two, Savik. Yeah, Savik. She's so, half. Supposedly she's, half she's half? supposed to be half Romulan, even though they never mention it in the in the movie. Oh, I didn't know that. But they do mention it in a lot of the expanded universe stuff. So in the comic books and the novels and things, they acknowledge that she's half Romulan. <laughs> which always bothered me because in, in Star Trek, the TV series, um, in that episode of where they meet the Romulans for the first time, mm-hmm. it's very specific that at that time they did not know Romulans were uh, a clean, uh, Vulcan clean offshoot. Yeah, right, 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 right. And so Savick obviously looks older than the, the years from the time that they found out that Romulans were uh, Vulcan offshoots to the time uh, Star Trek Two happened. So how did her mom, the Vulcan, get with the... Romulan dad. Good so, question. Never made sense. Very good question. All right, so let's get to the uh, ep- the issue. Um, and may I make some general comments? Please. I find um, this comic book series so far quite satisfying. It's, it's a good one. The uh, drawings are realistic as opposed to weird, kind of freakish, non-existent, incredibly muscled, perfect human beings as the Star Trek Next Gen DC miniseries was right um so and i mean even o'brien has a has a paunch on him the drawings are good they're accurate the storyline seems like it's consistent with the uh, tv series yeah um that's pretty good and i really like the the shot of the wormhole and deep space nine right and the wormhole shows uh captain johnson's uh ship um the uh, armstrong coming out which looks does it? To me, that looks like the Grissom. 
the Grissom. It, it might have been the. Uh, was it in a Star the, Trek Three? Yeah, I think that was an Obeth Kalas uh, starship. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. Nice, that's right? impressive. I had no idea. Uh, the main reason I know that is back to Lieutenant Savick from Star Trek II. Uh, in some of the later expanded universe uh, stuff that happens after Star Trek II, mm-hmm. she becomes captain of the starship uh, Armstrong. And oh. Armstrong was an Obeth, and I think I'm pronouncing it correctly, Oberth, O-B-E-R-T-H. I guess is how you, that's how it's spelled. Hmm. How you pronounce it, I don't know, because I'm... Really bad at stuff like that, yeah. but uh, but yeah. So I'm assuming that that ship, the Armstrong, is indeed uh, the same ship that Savick captained uh, around the time uh, Vulcan Heart came out, oh. which mm-hmm. was when she and um, Spock got married. Mm-hmm. So she was captain of that ship. But it's interesting that, I mean, I'm taxing my memory a bit. But um, uh, Star Trek Three, mm-hmm. uh, when they went to get Spock, right um, on the Genesis planet. Um, that was a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, compared to the Star Trek universe. That's true. Yet they've still got what appears to be a very Grissom-like uh, ship in service. Right. And if you remember, like, the next generation, they use the uh, Ambassador-class Except- ship uh, a lot. The uh, n- No, I'm sorry. Excelsior-class. The, the Excelsior-class ship, yeah. 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 Like, the USS Hood was an Excelsior-class ship. Right. And you're just like, that ship's probably... Over a hundred years old now, right? Right. Would it right. still be in service? You don't see any constitution, uh, constitu- constitution, two constitution class ships. I'm having a hard time talking today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyways, yeah, you're right. Anyway, yeah, you can keep a ship around a while, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. So okay, uh, let's, let's let's get it. Well, what do you think? Uh, overall, I really liked it. I really liked the artwork, and I really liked the uh, the story. I thought it. I thought this fit really well. It could be uh, an un uh, unmade. Ev- episode from season one i mean all the characterizations just fit in mm-hmm. nothing's uh, too contrary um i do like that scene where it shows cisco and captain johnson talking and you see cisco wearing the deep space uh, or the space station uniforms mm-hmm. at this time and then captain johnson's wearing the uh, um the normal picard looking uh, outfit right. and it really drives home that i like the Cisco's outfit so much better than I like uh, the old Picard outfit. Oh, okay. I like the black shirt with the red top versus the black top with the the red shirt, <laughs> which it was cool because you know obviously Voyager had that all the way through. And then of course the third uniforms that they came out with later uh, Star Trek Next Gen movies. Yeah, were were my favorite by far of all the Next Generation outfits. So that's my favorite. Yeah, with the the gray top, the black uh, shirt, and then the. Kind of stitching kind of things. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So uh, on, uh, I really don't have a lot to say about this. I really liked it. Like I said, it fits really well into continuity. Uh, so I'm going to actually jump to page 15. So if you have anything before then, um, speak now. Uh, I actually would like to talk about page uh, 7. All right. Um, and my comment is that... The model that they used... Oh, I meant to, I meant to say that. I, I bet you did, because I knew you spotted it. Yeah, it's all over my notes. Yeah, so the um, so the captain... What's the captain's name again? Captain Johnson. Captain Johnson. So Captain Johnson Yeah. Uh, looks incredibly like the actor, who I don't recall his name. Maybe you do. Oh, I do. Who was uh, a commander... Oh, maybe not. Oh, commander... Uh, well, oh, captain. Yeah. No, he was captain. You're thinking of Decker? Yes, he looks like Decker. Oh, he doesn't look anything like Decker. What are you, 
are you crazy? Look uh, at him. I, He's I Decker. Get, I guess he does, but no. Who do you think he looks like? He looks like John Tesh from Entertainment Tonight. Oh, well, that too. But I mean, he is spot on John Tesh. Well, but but he also looks like Decker. Will Decker. Uh, I see it with in the, the haircut. In Star Trek, the, yeah, uh, he does. Star Trek motion picture. Yeah. The funny thing about Decker, the guy who played Decker, and yeah. I don't remember his name, uh, he went on to be in that Seventh Heaven. Yeah, TV right. Show. He was in that forever. Yeah, but his wife. Yeah. Was the oh yeah right, was the girlfriend right. from uh, Star Trek Four. So there Star- was yeah the voyage home. Well, okay. She was the whale. Uh, she was the whale uh, expert. Oh right, 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 right. That with that's it. That's yeah. it. Right, right. So I think it's funny that the captain from Star Trek: The Motion Picture ends up marrying the yeah, uh, totally different the, series. Uh, the 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 woman from Star Trek Four. Gotcha. Gotcha. The citation. Is that what they called it? The the whale the whale scientist. Right. So the funny thing about uh, Captain Johnson looking just like John Tesh. John Tesh has like a, has a Star Trek. Uh, uh, Star Trek. Uh, he was on an episode at some, yeah. at some point? He was one of the Klingons in the uh, Star Trek The Next Generation episode uh, where Klingon, uh, where Worf becomes a man, where he has to get hit by all those pain sticks. Oh, yeah? And he like gets hit, and then he has to walk a little further, and the next Klingons hit him. He's one of the Klingons. You're kidding me. Yeah. Was that some kind of stunt thing? Or was he actually doing real actor no, work? John Tesh, uh, and, and the only reason I know this is because I watched Entertainment Tonight, but, <laughs> uh, and, and they did this when whole... When he was anchoring. Yeah, and he did, they did this whole special about <laughs> him being a guest star on Star Trek Generation. Right, right. Because come to find out, he's a, he's a huge fan of Star Trek. Oh, and yeah. so he wanted to be in the show, so they gave him a, like an uncredited part, but yeah, they yeah. did a whole bit on uh, Entertainment Tonight. About okay. A little cross-marketing. Yeah, I thought it was pretty funny. So yeah. Also right. on page nine, I like to just mention that Bashir, pretty good drawing. You like Bashir. that? That was I had a note Although, that I didn't really care for that one on page. Um, what, what page? Page, is that? page nine. Page nine. I, yeah. I like it. What nationality? Nothing is wrong it? with. He, well, he's, he's Indian. He's East Indian. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. But yeah, I didn't like that picture. I, no. I liked him later, like but him. that picture just to me doesn't look like Bashir to me. Oh, I thought it was pretty good. Hmm. But uh, yeah, uh, his lips look a little fuller then. Than they should, I think. And his hairlines. Is his hairline always perfectly straight like that? Um, I don't recall. Um, but let's look at some other drawings. Well, well, we'll look at some other uh, drawings. But Right. Um, I, I, I thought it was good. I, I have a, 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 just a kind of funny thing. On page 15, there's a... Well, actually, it's a page next to page 15. Uh, there's an ad for uh, some mini comics mm-hmm. that are uh, $15 each. Ooh. Or you can get two... How much mini about them? Yeah, they're only eight-page comics, uh, and they're like $15 each, or you can get two of them for $25. So one of them is an actually eight-page comic. The other one is just kind of like advertisement for the new series, uh, the, this series that we're reading. Why is it so expensive? Because it was a limited edition, special order type ash can. They, they call them ash can. They call those little comic books ash cans for some reason. And mm. don't ask me why, because mm. I don't know. But uh, just for giggles, when I saw that they were selling them for fifteen here, I went ahead and looked them up to see how much they're selling now. Yeah, yeah, you can get them for less than a dollar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so all those people that uh, bought that for uh, fifteen dollars can now get it for a dollar. Oh boy, I thought it was funny. All right, uh, I have like a little nit about on page nineteen. Uh, you have Bashir, um, you know, uh, not knowing anything about spores from Sintron Three. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You know, he's kind of like showed up that somebody knew more more than he did, which I mean, at this time he wasn't genetically enhanced or it wasn't oh, common knowledge that he was genetically he was. enhanced. 
Well, he he's supposed to have known, but you, the no, audience, but you, the audience, didn't right? Know. I don't think the writers knew at that time. Nah. But uh, it's just I always find it funny, even watching old episodes of the show. I'm like, he's supposed to be genetically enhanced. Why is he having a hard time with this? Yeah. Uh-huh. But uh, they play it off that oh, he was just acting. <laughs> he was acting. Oh, uh, let's go back to page seventeen. Cisco's talking about the last time we had an, a gamma artifact, um, implying that they've examined uh, yeah, artifacts from before. the from the gamma quadrant. Mm-hmm. But what episode would that be? Because I I can't remember any episode in the first season where they were um, analyzing alien artifacts from the gamma quadrant. I mean, well, just just because they didn't show it doesn't mean they weren't. Right. I mean, if you had the gateway into a different uh, quadrant of the galaxy, you'd probably go over there and check out some stuff. Yeah. You know, and if you found something... And stick a flag in it you so know, you could say, this like is Like maybe mine. a little arrowhead or something, you'd probably pick it up. Right. And, and Bring I'm it ju- back, and I'm maybe just, analyze it. I'm just wondering, what kind of analyzing are they doing that is going to totally destroy the artifact? Because I've seen them analyze stuff in Star Trek, and they I just kind of like... Analyzing with a phaser? And that's it. You know, there's no intrusion on the artifact at all. And yet here, Dr. Wembley's all worried that they're going to destroy it because well, you're going to analyze it. Analyze with a phaser. <laughs> let me, let's, let's, see, let's see if the material it's made with will destroy if we put this on maximum <laughs> setting. Yep, yep it's it destroyed. Did. we got to go get yeah, another one now. That's it. That's what he was afraid of. Uh, John Tesh. Now that you mention it. He is John Tesh. <laughs> he looks like like uh, Will Decker, too. But, yeah. I, I think the hair... Now, now that you mention The blonde it, hair, he looks like uh, Decker, but his face is John Tesh. I could just see him <laughs> sitting there with Lisa Gibbons talking about the entertainment. <laughs> okay. All right, on page 22, when they're, like, in the mold, and then and, and, uh, Brashear, I think it is, says, I, I'm getting some life signs, some human life signs over mm-hmm. here, and then they go and see the woman and her little baby. Mm-hmm. They're not at all human. No, so not at all. why would they even say a human life sign? They should have just said, I'm getting some life signs over here. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was odd. Maybe they should have said humanoid. There you something. go. There you go. Uh, going back a page on page 20, uh, O'Brien... And everybody is in the muck, trying to spray the uh, fungicide around. Right. And O'Brien says, all right, lads, if the flying wedge is good enough for Notre Dame, it's good enough for us. And it's like, wow. I mean, that, that's really a dated college football <laughs> reference. I mean... So you think in the future they're still going to be talking about the, the famous flying wedge? No, I don't, you I don't got, think they you gotta, will. you got to keep in mind that at this time in the future, baseball is not played. It's not played anymore. So is football still played? So otherwise, how would I think it's got that? a better chance, but still, yes. <laughs> but who, hey, hey, who knows? In the real future, baseball could end up being the bee's knees. That's while true. football is nothing. That's true. I doubt that. But. Hey, uh, real quick, uh, I kind of, I don't know what page it was, but when Odo turns into that rat to pull... Right. Uh, um, quirk out. out. Mm-hmm. Why can Odo change into animals and look spot on, yet he has so much trouble human. looking like yeah. a human? Yeah. He's like, oh, I can't make human hair, but I can sure make cat fur or whatever, sure. and I can't form the I hu- can look like a freaking glass of water. I can't water. form I the can human do... face, but I can turn into these little intricate little 
bugs and I don't know if he ever turned into a bug, but he's turned into all kinds of animals. Snakes, yeah. I think. Exactly. Good question. And where does his little communicator go when he changes into all these things? Is uh, the communicator like absorbed in his body, and then when he turns back know. into Odo, it pops and, back out? So his clothes is actually him? His clothes is actually him. So he's really running around naked. Oh, my God. I really don't I don't want to think about that. <laughs> okay, so on the last page, um, where they're showing the Cardassian ships, yeah. the ships look a little... They look different. Uh, the, the, I thought the, they the design, good. I mean, the general design, yes, but... There are aspects of this design that looks different from the TV show. Yeah. Uh, not not, not, not that I'm complaining, I'm just commenting. Yeah. I mean, the ships look fine, but... I always like the Cardassian ships. They look kind of fish-like. They look like a scorpion to me. A scorpion? A yeah, nasty I see kind that. of scorpion. I always thing. saw it as some kind of like fish, right. like a shark or something. Yeah, could be, could be. All right. Um, okay, so that's the end of the cliffhanger. It is... So, you want to go straight into uh, issue number two here? Let's go into number two. Okay, so this is the um, second issue in the uh, Deep Space Nine series. This one's called Stowaway Part Two, continuation of the first issue. And uh, this wraps up the mystery of the killer fungus. And this has a cover date of September 1993. Okay, so um, this begin. This starts out with um, uh, a nice cover of uh, Cisco, Odo, and Kira uh, in front of uh, a security door with the fungi, fungicide coming out of it. So that's, uh, that's that's a good one. Although I must say, Cisco doesn't just doesn't look right. He's very mean looking. He he, he looks shifty because his eyes are shifting. <laughs> you know, he's looking to the right, and he looks kind of shifty. And Odo looks a little bit like Spider Man. <laughs> He's on one knee with his hand down and exactly. his, his other hand's kind of out like it's about to shoot Good some point. webs. Good point. Very, very Spider-Man-esque. Okay, so it opens up, the next page opens up with uh, Dukat refer, offering uh, to board DS9 and eradicate the mode, mold uh, in the interest of Cardassian, Cardassian Federation relations. Yeah, right. Luckily, Cisco does not buy that for a minute. Cisco refused Dukat's offer. Uh, he and Kira have have some words, and then uh, speak to Captain Johnson. He still thinks the artifacts might have had uh, a radiation that triggered the growth of the mold. That's Cisco thinks that. Uh, Johnson denies it and insists that Doctor Wembley checked for radiation when they found it originally. Johnson refuses to hear any more and then disconnects the conversation. He hangs up on him. He hangs up. He, he's he's quite abrupt, rather rude. Cisco and Dax think that Johnson must be hiding something, which is pretty obvious to me. Uh, they contact Odo to get his help. In his office, Odo is attacked by the mold and is able to uh, turn into a bird and fly away with his bucket. <laughs> yeah, he grabs the bucket before he flies off. Exactly. It's very important to, uh, kind of like in... Um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. You really need to know where your blank, where your, your towel. towel is. Yeah. In this case, Odo needs to know where his bucket is. Uh, Miles and Dax are suited up again and in the infected area. They discover that the mold has made it into the ventilation ducts and will soon be in the atmospheric replicators, which is an interesting point. I don't remember them ever mentioning the technology that is behind their, um, their life support system. Right. 
although replicators kind of make sense. Uh, Cisco learns that they are now uh, storing people in the ops uh, area uh, itself as they lose more parts of the station, with Quark, Quark there offering games and drinks. Which seemed a little odd to me. Yes. Where's he getting all that stuff? Why is he there? Of all the people to have on the ops area, he's probably the last one. Probably would be. But that adds a little bit more humor to the situation, yeah. I suppose. And you got to get, uh, you got to get him in there. Okay, so uh, Bashir says he plans to go with Dax into the mold again for analysis, where Cisco interrupts, stating that Dax is going on a mission for him, but doesn't say what it is. Cisco talks to Johnson again. The captain still refuses to allow Cisco to speak with Doctor Wembley. O'Brien beams Dax over to the Armstrong, where she sneaks around. Jake tries to tell Cisco that the mold is his fault. When he passes out, uh, when he passes out, Cisco assumes that this is because the mold has finally gotten into the air processors and orders uh, the team to investigate it. Cisco, O'Brien, and Bashir get to the processor. And O'Brien states that he will have to take it down to fix it. Once he does, there will only be six hours of air left. Meanwhile, on the Armstrong, (laughs) Dax is in Wembley's quarters and finds the artifacts and a tape of Wembley. Uh, Just then, Johnson and a security man arrive and try to arrest her. They demand that her backpack, they demand her backpack and it morphs into Odo. Surprise, surprise. When, you know, so Odo gets light, too, because that would be a heck of a backpack to right. carry around. exactly. When she tosses it to them. Odo and Dax then take out the security men and claim that Johnson murdered Wembley. On board DS9, the crew, the crew try to purify the toxic air and only cause the mold's growth to accelerate. Aboard the Armstrong, Johnson admits that Wembley died while looking for artifacts. He was trying to make people think the doctor was still alive so that he could get credit for his life's work. Truly selfless act on the part of, uh, on his part. Dax and Odo agree to beam uh, over to DS9. Dax and Bashir, meanwhile, track the sources of where the mold seemed to start. Level 14, the Hollow Arcade, and the schoolroom. They suspect a pattern and round up all the children for questioning. Jake and Nog admit that they started it. Come out to find, yeah, come to find out that the chemical they spilt in the ish, in issue one accelerated the growth. Dax finds that the mold will die when exposed to a concentrated levels of its own waste byproduct. Hmm. Convenient. Go figure. The crew cleaned cleans up the mold and everything's back to normal. Jake and Nog are scolded by their fathers. Gul Dukat calls to see if uh, anyone is still alive. He is surprised to find that the Federation figured it out. Cisco offers to help Cardassia with the same matter if the roles are ever reversed. What a guy. The end. The end. So there you go. Another situation, uh, one thing kind of uh, cool about Deep Space Nine, there's a lot of political intrigue. There's a lot of, you know, political wrangling this way, that right. way. And uh, I, I always found that to be something a little bit uh, kind of an interesting aspect to, yeah. the, to the TV series. Uh, and this definitely was that with right. the Cardassians I've, coming into the picture. I've always thought Deep Space Nine was my favorite of all the Star Trek uh, franchises yeah. just because 
I think it, you know, because they were confined to a ship or a, a space station, uh, I think that there was a lot more character development on, on all other parts, mm-hmm. and it was, uh, you know, more of a soap opera type feel where, you know, they really progressed everybody's character, you know, uh, like we were talking earlier. Uh, Bashir doesn't start off as a genetically enhanced human, but later on you find out he is, and, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't seem, you know, I was making fun of it that, you know, why is he stupid here? But, I mean, <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't necessarily discredit that I think the writing was really good for Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Uh, I think it's probably, the, again, I still think it's probably my favorite out of all the series. And just for that, I mean, they didn't have a lot of uh, action and adventure until you get into the Dominion War. But there was a lot of good, uh, just, just true stories, you know. They didn't have to rely on the alien of the week kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, and another thing though, I think that uh, when they had when they had the space station and they just had the runabouts, right? You know, it was all fine. It was all fine. But then I think they they were like, you know, ratings. We need to crank this up a notch. Yeah. And then they got the Defiant, which is a way cool ship. It is very cool ship. Um, I always thought it was very. You know, why does Cisco get to get the ship with the cloaking device? Nobody else does. Because they had to prepare for the Dominions. I know, I know, but still. I mean, the ship was originally designed to fight the Borg. Exactly. And then because the Borg was no longer a threat because of first contact, mm-hmm. he gets he got the Dominion. Uh, yeah. Defiant. The, uh, Defiant. Yeah. And then he got promoted to captain. I, I always found it funny. He's, cap, he's commander of a space station. Mm-hmm. He has thousands and thousands of people that he's responsible for and he's only a commander that mm. somebody like johnson who just has this tiny little ship probably <laughs> four or five hundred people he's a captain so he outranks the guy who's responsible for thousands of people so i, I always thought that was a, a kind of a odd and then i liked it when um when he got when cisco became captain uh of yeah, the Defiant. that was that was that was pretty cool and then i liked it because wharf was basically the second he, Worf was basically second in command as far as the Defiant goes, while Kira was still second in command as far the as the station went. Yeah. And that's another thing. They were pumping up. I think they were, They again, they needed to ex- uh, pump things up a little bit for ratings. That's why uh, they had Worf come over. Right. Oh, yeah, De- Worf was totally for ratings. Yeah. All right, so... Um, uh, there on page three, uh, where it shows like Deep Space Nine, and then it shows the uh, Armstrong, and then it shows the three Cardassian ships. Mm-hmm. The proportion seems a little odd here. The Cardassian ships look huge compared to the the Johnson ship, and I well, don't know if it's really supposed to be that small, or well, I, if at it's least just... in this shot, I say just the opposite. Now, obviously, oh, I mean right, that, that that Cardassian ship's way in the background, oh, and I, it's, I know that. it's I know just that. as big as the uh, as the Armstrong. So if it was close together, wouldn't it be like two or three, maybe four or five times bigger than the Armstrong? Or do you think it's really closer than, than the way I'm thinking it? Okay, you're saying that the that the yeah. Armstrong looks way too big. Armstrong looks way too small. Too small. The Cardassian okay. ships look huge compared to it. Yeah. But you think it's the other way around? Um, I think the Armstrong is probably smaller than the uh, Cardassian ships. Yeah. In reality. Um I was just commenting on that I think it's a cool, it's a nice angle on the Armstrong. I yeah. kind of like seeing that that underside that's little, that's in it's inside that gap where the nacelles and the right the little negative space in between the saucer yeah. section and the engineering yeah. section. Yeah, I agree. It, it, it's an interesting design. It looks kind of like a boat. The, it does the, look like the, a boat. The, the 
engineering section looks like a boat. Exactly. With like this uh, just plate or something on top. Right. Looks a little bit like the uh, Reliant. Or was it the Reliant that Reliant. Khan took over? Yep. The Reliant. It kind of had the same. Did it? No, it yeah. didn't. It just had the nacelles on the top, right? It didn't have like a negative space in between the No, I don't think it did. Yeah, you're right. Not at all. Nope. But, um, yes. Those were, the class of ship those were, um, what's the name of the ship again? Reliant. Reliant. That's a, I, I believe that's a Reliant class starship. I think you're right. And, and not that we're talking about Star Trek Two, but I, thought, I think it's funny how they came up with that design. Uh, I guess they, whoever built the ship mm-hmm. sent it somewhere to get it filmed, and they had to reassemble it, and they reassembled it incorrectly. And You're like, kidding me. Yeah, and so they were like, you know, no, it's it was supposed to look more like the Enterprise with the with the nacelle with the saucer section and the uh, and the engineering, but then when they put it together, they're like, hey, that looks kind of cool. You're just kidding me. Well, that's really? what, that's what they say in the director's commentary. Oh, I'm assuming it's true. I don't know. No, no, if they I, said I, that I wasn't there, commentary. so I don't know. No, if they said that, if they said that in the director's commentary, it's gospel. There it just go. sounds kind of sounds weird, right? Yeah. But I like the story if it's true. So just just to mention. You think he John still Te- looks like Decker. You still think John Tesh looks like, no, like I, I, Captain Johnson? <laughs> it's Captain John Tesh. <laughs> All right, so page eight. Odo turns into a bird and grabs his bucket. All right, so th- <laughs> <laughs> this goes back to what we were talking about before. How can he turn into a bird and have you know hollow bones and all the other stuff that makes birds be able to fly uh, when he's really just supposed to be this massive goo? Yeah. Yeah, and when he becomes like a glass of water, it's like, where does all the mass go? Yeah. I mean, is it, is it incredibly condensed so he could occupy right. his little space? So you would think that it would still weigh about 200 pounds, right? Exactly, right, but, right, right. Uh, but no. But no. I mean, obviously, Dax can wear it on her backpack as her backpack. Exactly. A much more comfortable backpack than we saw in the old gold key stuff. Oh, my God. Those things <laughs> look very uncomfortable. Uh, I, I don't have anything until we get to page 17, uh, so if you have anything, uh, speak up. Um, not really. Not really. All right. So uh, when you jump to page 17, uh, you get the, the little fight scene between uh, Dax, the uh, the backpack-turned-Odo, mm-hmm. and, and uh, Captain Johnson's people. Right. Uh, on the top... Uh, left-hand panel. It shows Odo like picking somebody up and kind of squeezing them or something. Yeah, yeah. It what, makes him look. What exactly strong. is it that he's doing? Is he supposed to be squeezing him? Why? Well, or is he, he supposed he, to be well, hitting look, his head on the ceiling or something? Well, it looks like from the lines, he's picking him up in the air and then moving him to the right, and I guess he's hitting the ceiling. Yeah, I don't know. But I just think it's an odd-looking picture. Yeah, he, he's decapacitating though. Then I like how Dax, you know, throws that guy over. Yeah. I think that's a good picture. It really, you know, you can, you can almost see it like if it was a movie or something where he right. flips over and crashes into the table. Right. Yeah, but he's just that Odo. And doesn't that kind of look like? Uh, is it Robbie Robertson, the 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 assistant editor at the Bugle? Oh yeah, yeah. Odo's like elbowing him in the throat. Right. There on page seven. J. Jonah Jameson's right hand man. Yeah. Just a black guy with uh, graying temples. Well, yeah. I don't know. Now, now, of course, he looks in better shape. I don't know what he looks like. Well, at least in the movies. In the movies, they they usually cast him with a kind of little chunky guy. Yeah, right. The only guy who kind of knows who Peter really is. As soon as they find these tapes, 
uh, and the artifact, they they don't watch the tapes, but they automatically just assume Johnson killed him. You murderer! <laughs> you have these tapes of Dr. Wembley in his safe. Uh, I thought that was a little bit of a leap. Yeah. And then my biggest beef on these two uh, issues is the the Johnson, how the Johnson storyline ends. Hmm. I was doing it all just to protect uh, Dr. Wembley's reputation and, yeah. and let him get the credit. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, it, I like it, it, but I'm like, oh, come on. You were building up that this big, exactly. suspenseful, exactly. what is going on with Dr. Wembley and uh, Captain Johnson, and then come to find out, oh, he died of old age, and I'm just trying to help him out so he gets his credit. Yeah, so this is the kind of thing that this could have been two separate issues. Right. And it's like two different storylines. I don't think they have anything to do with each other. No. And and, and I don't think the one storyline resolving aided to resolve the other storyline or vice versa. They're just two totally separate storylines that they put together. Maybe so they can make a two-parter. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, it's just a red herring. Oh, it might be Captain Johnson and... uh, Mm. But you know all along that it wasn't because... They showed you at the beginning that that Nog and uh, Jake opened up the the sealed hatch and released the Cardassian mold. Right. So, anyways, yeah, I totally understand what you're saying. It almost seemed like filler to me. Yeah. But but, but in the end, it actually might have been two different uh, <laughs> two different issues they decided to combine. Yeah. And then they just let Johnson go. Like, okay, well, you had noble yeah. intentions, but you were wrong. So, but. We got bigger fish to fry. <laughs> and then they beam over, and then it just shows this little sad picture of of uh, John Tesh being all sad. Nah! <laughs> all right, and then the last the last thing I have is, you know, Ducat's over there, and he wants, he's, he wants to call the space station to see if anybody's alive. Yeah, and then he's right. all surprised that there are. Yeah, and Don't look at th- his eyes. Yeah, they're like all bugged out. But <laughs> Marty Feldman eyes. <laughs> but don't Cardassians have scanners? Yeah, couldn't they, he couldn't they said, like, know that? Hey, can you uh, let me know how many uh, humanoids are on the station? Uh, all of them, sir. What? <laughs> I guess I won't be surprised then when I give a call. Exactly. Well, there's a lot of things like that. I mean, it's like it's like the traditional thing about uh, as soon as cell phones came into co- uh, common use. Right. A lot of TV show writers and movie writers, you know, a lot of times things would like be ruined. Because it's like, will they get to save the girl in time? Will he be able to get there and stop the murderer from doing that? And it's like, they have all the suspense and stuff. Well, why don't you just use your cell phone? How is <laughs> that problematic? Uh, cell phones so are ruining the, the, uh, the, the murder mystery. Well, there are many instances where technology, if you took it too seriously, could ruin the storyline. Right, absolutely. This is not the first time in the Star Trek world. That you had to just hey, uh, forget about. Stuff. I just noticed something what? here on the letters page. Mm-hmm. Uh, look at that second paragraph. They would like to give special thanks to John Tesh, uh, co-host of Entertainment Tonight. Wait a minute, no, so, no, oh, no, no. It says right here, uh, <laughs> uh, Will Decker. We'd <laughs> <laughs> like Will Decker to thank you very much. Yeah, so that's funny. It really was. John Tesh. Tesh. (laughs) Congratulations, Donovan. You got it. It was John Tesh all along. I I guess it just goes to prove that or show that I really don't ever really watch whatever that show was. Entertainment tonight. There you go. And plus, John Tesh was a musician. I know that. I know that. I don't don't know if he was a. Boring. Was he a boring uh, musician? Like new age music. Uh, I never listened to it. 
with like lots of like like strings and stuff. Gotcha. All right, well then let's just go straight into issue number three. Uh, old wounds. Old wounds, which uh, I didn't look up before we started recording this, but a lot of this seemed kind of familiar. With uh, was there an episode of Deep Space Nine called Old Wounds, and it dealt with uh, similar subject matter at all? I don't recall it, but it could have been. Mm, could okay, have been. well I don't want to give away anything uh, plot-wise until we give the little synopsis. Yeah. All right, so this is issue number three. Came out October nineteen ninety-three. All right, so Cisco. Uh, against his better judgment, uh, is told that he has to host a former Cardassian general who will be arriving on Deep Space Nine soon. Uh, Cisco then uh, tells the crew to who they're going to be expecting, and everybody's complaining. Uh, they call him the Butcher of Bajor. Um, his name is Gold Trelar. All right, so Cisco informs them that the uh, general's coming to, to uh, he wants to come to Bajor uh, as some sort of last rite since he's about to die, uh, but the Bajoran government won't allow him to actually come onto the planet, so the Federation uh, is giving him the right to at least come to Deep Space Nine so he can be orbiting his, uh, his home world. So they said he actually was born there, so I guess he was born there during the Bajoran occupation. All right, so anyways, uh, Cisco then goes to the promenade and tells Quark that, uh, that this general is coming and that they need to go ahead and prepare the, a special hollow suite. Uh, Quark then informs him of his past dealings with the goal, and uh, he uh, says that the goal demands exorbitant kickbacks and obviously did not care for him too terribly much. Uh, Odo uh, then, uh, Cisco then talks to Odo, and Odo then tells him of his past dealings with uh, the the Traylor, and tells him that uh, Traylor executed uh, a possible terrorist just to get uh, the cooperation out of two other uh, uh, potential terrorists. Uh, and Odo says that he was not convinced that any of them were really guilty. All right. Then Cisco talks to Kira, and she recalls her dealings with Traylor. And that uh, she was one of those three uh, potential terrorists that Traylor was trying to investigate, uh, trying to get information out of. And it seems that he chose her to be the one executed, but another man uh, stepped in, and he was killed as the as the um, the example uh, instead of her. All right. So uh, soon, Traylor and his son, his daughter, and his second wife, who is Bajoran, and who knows Kira. Uh, arrive on the station. Um, Trailer goes to the holodeck and he's enjoying the uh, the special uh, holodeck routine that the uh, Quark was setting up. Uh, and it's basically a recreation of his childhood home. Uh, Lady Trailer, who's his second wife, uh, seeks out Kira. Kira basically uh, uh, basically uh, accuses her of betraying her people. And we find out that. Uh, uh, Lady Traylor was also uh, once a prisoner um, during the occupation. So uh, then we uh, see uh, Bashir and Traylor's son talking about medicine on the wild frontier, which was a nice nod to the emissary uh, episodes, I thought. All right, so Dax and Traylor's daughter, and I, and I don't know what all their names are, so uh, I'm just going to call them Traylor's son, Traylor's daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Dax is talking to Trailer's daughter about religion, and it seems that, uh, oh, her name is Raina. Uh, it seems that Raina is part of a small movement to bring uh, religion back to Cardassia. All right, so now they ha- we have a big 
crew crew dinner. Everybody's there uh, with Trailer and his and his family. And Trailer's recalling how he brought Cardassia or how he brought uh, civilization to Bajor. And obviously, uh, Kira took offense to that. And uh, he points out that before the Cardassian uh, took over, that uh, there was no industry on Bajor. I guess they were all just religious nuts. I don't know. Uh, anyways, uh, Kira, Odo, and O'Brien uh, are upset about this, and they excuse themselves. And then Trailer has Trailor has what appears to be a heart attack. Uh, Bashir is able to stabilize him and puts him into the hollow suite uh, for to rest. Uh, the next morning, everybody shows up and finds that he's been murdered. Uh, his own dagger is there, impaled in his chest with multiple stab wounds. So now it becomes a murder mystery on who killed him. So Odo goes around and talks to everybody. Um, and everybody has uh, some, some um, you know, nobody really has a good alibi. Um, he, uh, he actually arrests Cork just for the sake of it, <laughs> which was kind of funny. You got to have fun somehow. All right. Good job. So, and, he, and it was funny is he's actually confronting uh, the son and daughter oftentimes uh, as the son or daughter. So he's actually changing his form to look like the son in order to incriminate <coughs> the daughter, uh, which we'll talk about later, but it seems odd that he can make Cardassian faces just fine. Exactly. Amazing, isn't it? All right, so uh, anyways, then uh, all of a sudden uh, they, they he comes out and he gathers everybody very Matlock style, and he's like, and, <laughs> Matlock. <laughs> and the murderer is, bum, 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 the hollow deck, the... Uh, the uh, Gull programmed his holodeck uh, version of his mother to actually kill him. And then, uh, basically, uh, that's it. Uh, Lady Trailer decides that she's going to depart Deep Space Nine, and Kira gives her a gift of uh, a Bajoran earring. And that's the end. So, like I said earlier, this is very, very just a murder mystery. Yeah, another mystery. Yeah, but this one is really... A murder mystery. This is definitely in the template of Angela Lansbury and uh, Matlock and all those other ones. That you just So Odo gets to stretch, strut his stuff. Right. But my biggest uh, complaint about this... You know, I like murder mysteries. It's all good. I mean, he goes and interviews everybody and gets their alibis and tries to trick them. It's all good. What I don't like about murder mysteries like, like this is that... You're, you're presented all this evidence, and you're supposed to try to come up with the answer. Mm-hmm. And then the answer is nothing that we've talked about since, uh, up until now. <laughs> you know, you're talking to the son. You're talking to Quark. You're talking yeah. to Kira. You're talking to O'Brien. They all have motives. Yeah. And then when you come to tell him, Odo's like, I knew all along that it was the holodeck. He programmed well, it to kill himself. I will say this. Um... Since nobody was able to get into the to the hollow deck, I was thinking, well, what about the hollow deck person? Right, his mom. But well, yeah, yeah. Uh, I did think about that possibility, but um, but the fact that it was the son that did it, yeah, it was like, oh, that's right, the son programmed it. Not he didn't program it to kill himself. That's right, I forgot. Oh no, 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 no it was the son. You're right, it was the son. The Sorry. son who wanted to be out from under his father's uh, right because he wanted to to do medicine, and his father looked down on medicine. He wanted to be science officer or something right. on the ship, whatever. Yeah, he was captain. Yeah, but uh, the but the trailer only yeah. wanted him to follow his own footsteps and become a, yeah. a goal. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. The best murder the best murder mysteries are the ones that they actually do give you all the information you need. Right? Did you? 
it's probably too long ago. It only lasted for like maybe one year. Uh, but uh, Timothy Hutton. Okay. Timothy? I think that's the right first name. Yeah. No, Jim Hutton. Jim Hutton. Oh, I don't know. His Jim father. Okay, oh, okay, so Timothy Hutton's father, Jim Hutton, he was in a lot of movies. Um, he was in a movie, in fact, with Walter or uh, George Takei. Oh, really? Well, well, do you know what movie that could be? Okay, I, since you don't even know who Jim Hutton is, I probably not. not. So Jim Hutton, for like one well, season... What movie was maybe, it? I'll get back to it. Oh, okay. One season, maybe two seasons, it, it lasted. Ellery Queen, he was Ellery Queen, in the Minute Mysteries. Well, Ellery Queen Mysteries, they had said it was Minute, because it was actually 60 Minutes. Right. And it was like, they were awful. Because they would basically... The mystery, the solution to the mystery was so convoluted and so detailed and they didn't give you all the information that in the end it's like sure Ellery Queen looks like this big big brain guy that figures all this stuff out and you're like sitting there going like how the hell did he figure that out no no he's smart but how the hell did he figure that out I hated that show I, I never watched so a I lot of it. Angela Lansbury stuff but I, I always thought that those were pretty good I mean yeah. they the, do the few get, I saw were yeah good. And they had a little bit of personality to them. Right, and I don't think they... They didn't make it incredibly obvious, but then when you did find it out, you were like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. It's not like just something completely out of left field, like, oh, yeah, it was the holiday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I thought it was pretty good overall. overall. I thought it was an okay message. Oh, I thought it was, and I enjoyed it. I, I liked all the interactions, uh, but I, I, I really do not understand why uh, he can make himself look just like a Kardashian. Yeah. Little little bumps on his forehead, yep, the spoon exactly. on his exactly. forehead, and the bumps on and his the, neck, and everything. Especially, uh, obviously, good enough for uh, a uh, a sibling a, to be a sibling to, yeah, to, be, to fooled. be fooled, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, in regards to Odo, uh, kind of jumping around uh, in the flashback, where it shows Odo watching these three Bajorans about to get killed, or one of them about to get killed, or whatever. And he's wearing the uh, Bajoran outfit that he's wearing in the normal series. So that's on page uh, eight. All right. So yeah, he's just wearing his normal his normal clothes in the flashback. Um, I think it's page eight. Page yeah. eight. Yeah. So page eight, bottom bottom panel. He's just wearing his normal outfit, which is yeah. the Bajoran uniform. Yeah. But uh, later on in the series, we see. Um, we see a real flashback, which makes me think that this was this very familiar, this, this plot. But we see a flashback of Odo being the security uh, or the a security guy the for, constable the for, the, yeah. for the goals and, or the Cardassians. And he's wearing an actual Cardassian uniform, uh-huh. you know, which is odd because, you know, he doesn't have the big fanned-out neck like the Cardassians do. Right, he's, right, he looks right. just like Odo, but he's wearing this huge armor-looking shirt. That doesn't make a little more sense. But. Yeah, 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 but... Obviously, they hadn't got that far, and the the writers of this comic book obviously didn't know that was going to come. Good point. But my question about, while we're talking about flashbacks, how long was Gold Trenier, or uh, what was his name, Traylor, how long was he there? And and then when did he leave and Gold Dukat take over running Deep Space Nine? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't see that explained. Yeah, because, I mean... Uh, yeah, because thing, we see flashbacks how, how, of Gold Dukat, oh, uh when he's in charge of Deep Space Nine, and right. Kira's a little girl. Oh, yeah, because I remember, remember that episode. Well, because Gold Dukat, uh, because they try to imply at one point that Gold Dukat might be her dad or had a relationship with her mom. Ah, oh. you don't remember those? I don't remember that. Yeah, so she, she, 
her mom is kind of brand ba- uh, labeled as a traitor because she becomes Goldicott's uh, concubine. Oh, uh-huh. when Kira uh-huh. is little. So I'm wondering how long has Cork been there that he yeah. had this interaction with uh, Gold Trelor when when Kira was a little girl. Yeah. Another thing is. Look at how old Gold Trelor looks like. I mean, he's gray hair. He's nasty old. Right. But in the flashback, I mean, Kira looks more or less like she does now. Right. But the 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 gold just has doesn't little, look that bad. He he's, has got, little he's got gray some on gray on the temples. Little, yeah, little 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 uh, skunk stripe of gray on the side. Yeah. Well, they did say he got sick. Not not only wow. is he old, but he's he's sick. Okay. So, so you know when you get the sickness agent when you get sick you know, when 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 older people get sick. I mean they. They age incredibly fast. There you go. All right. Um, another thing is, I, I, I didn't know that this was the case, and it probably isn't, but I'm just wondering if that third Bajoran that was involved in all this was the, uh, Shiri, the... Uh, the wife. The wife. I think it's supposed to be, yeah. Although they don't, they don't come out and say that. They don't, but she looks exactly the same, and they definitely... They definitely act like Kira and her. They definitely know each other. Uh, knew each other and was part of, and maybe even got captured at the same time. Yeah. And somehow, uh, Lady Traylor, you know, sold out her people in order to be Traylor's concubine, uh, which is funny because that's very similar to what happens later on when we find out that Kira's mom was kind of put in the same situation. Right. So. Uh, that's really all I have to say. I, I do kind of want to talk about the ads. Uh, if if uh, once you're done talking about the the issue itself, uh, yeah, okay, yeah, let me just scan real quick, and then I'm gonna give you a pop quiz, and then I'll then when you're done I'll I'll get back to that movie. Oh, well, let's go ahead and know the movie now. I can't wait. You can't wait. Uh-oh. Okay. So what is the movie with George that Takei? George Takei and Jim Hutton were in together. Uh, another hint is John Wayne was in it also. Mm. Uh, King of Kings. I don't know. <laughs> King of Kings? No, no. It was, it, no. No. It was Vietnam uh, okay. era. It was the Green Berets. Oh, okay. I've Sorry. heard of that. And, uh, and, and actually. That, that catchy little song. Yeah. Uh, what's the catchy song? Uh, I'm not going to sing it. Okay, thank you. Um, but I, th- I think actually George Takei, I mean, I think that movie was made like in 68 or 69 or something like that when Star Trek was still in production. Oh, really? So he like went off and did that. So he did, did kind of branch out a little bit. A little bit. Hmm. All right, so real quick about the uh, ads. Um, this is obviously a new comic book publisher that we haven't talked about before. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about Gold Key. We've talked about Marvel, DC. Now we're in Malibu. Have you ever heard of Malibu before? Never. I didn't think so. Never. So you see that the, all the advertisements in this, they, they advertise a series called Dinosaurs for Hire. Mm-hmm. Uh, the which thing, looks kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, it, it was pretty cool. And then there's like the Ultraverse, which is kind of like their version of superheroes and things like that, which has a character called Sludge, who's a lot like Swamp Thing, and mm-hmm. Prime, who's like Superman, and um, Mantra, who's kind of like Batgirl or whatever. But anyways, uh, none of these series obviously hit it very big. Uh, Dinosaurs for Hire kind of had a cult following for a while, but none of the other ones did. Uh, but two of their comic book series did end up making uh, movies or TV shows. Uh, oh, what are they? <laughs> well, the first one was uh, Nightman, which was an advertise. Uh, there's an ad in issue number three that has a thing for a Nightman, 
He was kind of like a Batman ripoff. Mm-hmm. Uh, his, his big gimmick was that he could see in the dark. He had this like little red eyeball. Oh, yeah. And they made a TV series that lasted uh, for like a year, and then it was canceled. Hmm. Uh, but the other one is Men in Black. Oh. So Men in Black is probably their, their most famous original work. Oh, cool. In about 1994, very shortly after this, this series started, uh, Malibu was actually purchased by Marvel. Huh. And uh, ne- next <coughs> episode, we're going to be reading some Voyager comic books that were written, uh, published by uh, Wildstorm Comics. Which was another like independent type uh, upstart company, uh, which eventually got purchased by DC Comics. Mm. So it's funny that you know Marvel Comics had the Star Trek license, then Malibu gets it, and then Marvel buys out Star Trek. I mean, mm. buys out Malibu, mm-hmm. and then DC had the comic book license for uh, Star Trek, and then it goes to Malibu uh, Wildstorm, and then DC ends up buying out Wildstorm. It's just mm. it's kind of funny how those. Two, you know, obviously those two biggest comic book companies yeah. in the world. They just keep buying up all these these little uh, publishers. Anyways, that's all I wanted to talk about. And the pop quiz, you ready? More quiz. Yep, this is the real quiz. Okay. How many people in Deep Space Nine of the regular cast are alumni from previous Star Trek franchises? So there's quite a few of them that are part of the normal, everyday, every episode Star Trek cast that had played other characters in other Star Trek, uh, um, other Star Trek franchises. Hmm. Any idea? Uh, let's see. Um, well, I can definitely see Armin Shimmerman. Right, Quark. Uh, Quark playing a Ferengi in the past. Yeah, he was the he was the very Star- first guy to ever be a Ferengi. Oh, he was really? in that first episode. Oh, cool. Yeah. Back when they were actually kind of mean and they had those light whips that were pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, and definitely Gal Dukat. Like that guy. Yeah. Uh, that that actor has 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 played other villains. Right. He played the uh, first Cardassian ever in uh, an episode of Deep Space Nine, where it comes to find out that uh, uh, Miles. Worked, Deep Space Nine. Uh, I'm sorry. Next generation. Next generation. Where Miles uh, has to. Where they're trying to do something with the Cardassians and come to find out Miles uh, fought against them in the past before yeah. he joined Starfleet, which he never really joined Starfleet because he, he, he's a non, non-commissioned non officer, so he's kind of like a civilian. Really? Miles? Yeah. O'Brien? Yeah. Huh. Have you noticed his pips on his... on his? Uh, yeah, he has a different type of pip on his uh, collar. Oh. Hmm. Yeah, so he's supposed to be a non-commissioned uh, well, crew non- member. Yeah, I mean he's he's not Boy, part of Starfleet. He's kind of like a a local hire. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. So, anyways, I'll go with that. But but, uh, but the guy who plays Goldicott played uh, that first Cardassian, and he also played the very first Romulan that was ever in the Next Generation. So when they brought back Romulans as yeah. the the new big bad guy, right? He, he was, was the very first one. Hmm. And then we also have anybody else? Ah, oh, let's see. Because I, I could guess, but I don't know of anybody else, definitely. Yeah, so uh, Odo, he okay. he was in Star Trek VI. He was uh, one of the Starfleet uh, Starfleet officers there that was trying to kill the president. Oh, really? I yeah. didn't know that. Huh. I think he's the one that actually did try to kill the president, ends up dressing up like a Klingon and then falling down, and they rip his mask off, and like, <gasps> it, was a, it, wasn't the, it wasn't the Klingons at all. Mm. Uh, okay. And then I had another one, but I can't remember who it was, so we'll just wait till next time. 
<laughs> All right, real quick, we're going to go through what else was going on in the real world uh, as far as Star Trek franchises go. Okay. These, these came out in the end of 1993, and as everybody knows what was going on in 1993, the Eugenic War, of course. Ah. So based on the Space Seed, uh, it's mentioned that 1993 was, was when the, when the Eugenic War took place. and then uh, that was I missed it. And that was Damn. expanded on the uh, in the novels the uh, the rise and fall of Khan Noonien Singh. So those were very good, good books. I, I like those. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've only read the first two. I didn't read the third one, which is based while Khan is actually on set of Alpha Three or wherever he is. The oh, I don't think I've read that. I don't, I'm not even sure if I was aware of that one. Yeah, it came out way later than yeah. the, the first two, and. Uh, I've never read it, and it doesn't even sound that interesting. I mean, he goes to the planet, it's nice, another planet blows up, turns their planet to crap, his wife dies, Chekhov shows up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's, that's I'm it. sure there's more to it, but I just never really Save seen a that few bucks. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the book. All right, so uh, in August 1993, we uh, had uh, uh, DC's comic book, or I'm sorry, um, there was a original series novel called From the Depths, which I didn't get the synopsis of. Uh, but also that year, or that month, uh, another original series novel called Shadows of the Sun by Michael Jan Friedman came out, mm-hmm. which uh, that one's really good because it kind of gives the backstory of McCoy and his wife, which, you know, they make reference to her in the original series, and obviously in the new movie they mm-hmm. mentioned that, uh, you know, the divorce didn't go well for him. Uh, but but it has his wife in it, it has him in it, and they're kind of like, you know, there's a lot of flashbacks to how he became the great doctor that he, he ends up being. Hmm. It's a pretty good book if you haven't read it. Uh, there was also a Deep Space Nine novel uh, called Blood Letter by K.W. Jeter. Uh, I haven't read that one, so I don't really know what happened in that. Uh, but what I did want to talk about was the Star Trek, the Next Generation Young Adult Novel series started this month. And they were written by Peter David. And it was all about young Worf's adventures in Starfleet. Hmm. <laughs> so for the next three months, there was like a, a book every, every month. And there were those little 100-page short story type things. Mm-hmm. All right, real quick. Uh, then in September, we have uh, some more novels. Number uh, Next Generation novel called Guises of the Mind. Which, uh, again, I didn't read. But uh, I think it has a, it might have Troy's mother in it. And, you know, those are always good. August, October 93. And that's when the novelization of Descent comes out. So I'm assuming that the TV series came out that same time. That's where Lore comes back and he's controlling the Borg. Mm-hmm. I've actually read that novelization. It was it's actually pretty good. All right, so that's it for this uh, this installment. Uh, like I said, next week we'll either read two or three issues of uh, Voyager. Voyager. Cool. Uh, I think the two that we, the three that we originally picked out, are all like fifty pages each. So we might uh, only 50 do fifty pages. Of, yeah, I think they're kind of like one. I think they're kind of long. We'll look. <laughs> we'll look. Uh, but they're longer than these normal twenty-two page ones. Right. Okay. Well, that's it. And uh, any parting words, Ken? Uh, just uh, it's been a little while since we've gotten together. So happy to be back in the saddle. Right. And doing the review. Yes makes everything uh, better when you can read a couple comic books and then 
talk about it aimlessly for an hour. Exactly. I mean, that's uh, one of those that's, top life things. That's the good life right there. That is. Oh, boy. It's good life. All right. Take care, everybody. Later. Thank you for listening to Star Trek Comic Book Review. All Star Trek stories and characters are copyrighted CBS Studios Incorporated. All music stories and characters discussed are for entertainment purposes only. You can email us at startcomicbookreview at gmail.com. Visit us at our website, www.stcomicbookreview.com. Subscribe to us via iTunes. Or friend us on Facebook at first name, ST Comic, second name, Book Review. See you next time on Star Trek Comic Book Review. Let's get the hell out of here.